This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. What a week it's been for All in Green. First up, a trip up the road as Agent Ameson helped Argyle butcher the Grecians in front of the big bank. Then off to the shrews. You've had a big bank Cam- over this intro, haven't you, by the sound of it? You love it, John. And then off to the shrews as Cameron Wright did his best Carl Fletcher impression in the 96th minute to earn a valuable three points to keep Argyle top of Skybet League 1 whilst Wednesday and Ipswich also picked up wins. Then Rishi Sunak name-dropped the club on Prime Minister's questions, but in the words of Ronan Keating, life is a roller coaster. you've just got to ride it. Joining me this week are John Allsop, how are things? And now Sam, better believe it. Yes, hello, um, I'm starting to believe. Um, I I think I'd be, I'd be churlish not to after that, the incredible things last night. My voice is still a little bit hoarse. If I if I do an accidental Paul Cook impression at any point during this podcast, I'm going to have to apologise because my voice is a little bit worn out after Saturday and Tuesday. Two incredible, incredible wins that will live long in the memory. Yeah, I'm not sure that is going to go down on the terraces as a chant. I was looking for the greens are going up, but um, that's all good. Glad you, glad you believe it. Uh, that's, that's really annoying because that's literally what I was going to ask Sam, but that's good. Dan Ellard, how are you? Very good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And last but not least, Finley Allen. How are, how are things? Yeah, come on, you greens. Nice, nice, nice. Another two-game pod, except this time uh, we're talking through a double tops. Uh, like Derek said, uh, what I would like to say is that Devon is green and white tonight and always will be. Um, I couldn't find the audio clip of that, so... Um, the proof that he actually said that is uh, few and far between. Uh, who wants to run us that, through? That Derek Adams. Yeah, of course. Would, no. it would have sounded something like, "I just like to say uh, that Devon is green or white tonight." I don't remember George Galloway saying that, John. But uh, the only the only word I can do in a Derek Adams voice is uh, the only name I can do is Ash Hunter. Unfortunately, Ash Hunter. I'll shut up. Um, John, whilst whilst you're talking, do you want to run us through the Devon Derby win first? You feel like you? I feel like you've got a lot of energy tonight. Do you want to? Um, 
I, I was sort of, so I watched it on Argyle TV. I was also moving things into my new apartment um, at that moment. So I might not do the full detailed rundown. I'll leave that for someone who was at the game. But um, yeah, I thought it was good. You know, I think it was a performance that, it, you know, as I think as Sam has pointed out to me in, in conversations that we've had, it, it, we're a team that can kind of ride very high and very low on emotion at times. And I felt that, you know, in a big game coming off the back of an unfortunate defeat against Lincoln, we could have let our emotions get the better of us in a very charged environment. And we didn't do that. Um, I thought we were very professional about it. Rode our luck a little bit at times, but I think you're going to in, in a derby atmosphere like that. Um, and I think in the second half in particular, we were just very stodgy. We were very hard to break down. Felt like a very far cry from the days where we go away from home against teams who can kind of play through you when you're open and, and sort of get cut apart. Um yeah, it was, and it was kind of a, I don't want to say smash and grab exactly, because I feel like that makes it sound like we were dominated and, and only got one chance and scored it. I don't think it was quite like that, but scored a, a well-worked goal. Um, Will Ameson, of course, doing us a solid after he um, accidentally cleared Ben Wayne's header off the line earlier in the season while playing for, for Bolton, denying us three points up there. Um, obviously, you know, realised the error of his ways and decided to deflect in another absolute wonder strike from Matt Butcher to add to his catalogue of Argyle screamers that definitely haven't been massively deflected into the back of the net. Um, but after that, defended well. I thought saw out the game very professionally and, yeah, obviously a very big occasion and a big win. But but I think what impressed me was that it was a professional performance, yeah, where we where we didn't let our emotions get the better of each other and, and ourselves. Well, um, I'm sure we'll come on to this in a bit. Um, but first half, I thought a pretty even game um i always felt that we could have helped ourselves out a bit more by trying to play through them um it was an obvious tactic trying to go with cosgrove and trying to get the second balls and then breaking from that but um once we got the the obvious it, as the game went on it was sort of obvious that we were looking for that one break or that one bit of luck which we ended up getting and then from from after that the last 20 minutes is probably the best i've seen us defend all season um and just really controlled. We'll come on to the Shrewsbury game in a minute as well. But that was a perform. The second half was a performance of champions. Um, I, I think, or at least a team that's going to get promoted. Um, yeah. So I was really pleased with the second half. Um, first half, I thought we could have played a little bit better, but it was still fairly controlled. Yeah, Sam Finn mentions it there. A performance of champions. Uh, and John has already asked you about your your beliefs on whether actually going up. Which which game? I assume it was this game that turned your your tide, right? Yes. Well, it was the truth of the game actually. Um, the game um, against Exeter has certainly made me sort of lean more in that direction. But I, I still said I, I, I think it's basically 50, 50, 50. Um, it was the truth again that that, that 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 really made me think it's um you know it, it's more likely than not. Um, look, I, I want to make it very clear that this isn't clipped against me in any way. I still don't think it's a sure thing. I'm still not cracking open the champagne. It's still four huge games, but I think up to now, I think I wavered a little bit after the Oxford game, but uh, literally that little little waver aside, I think I've always said that I lean towards we won't do it rather than we will. Whereas now. I'm I'm leaning more that I'm leaning more that we will rather than we won't for sure and then that's the first time um yeah the X for the game I I I think we I I'm not going to disagree with anything uh, that John and Finn have said but I I would say I think we played 
um, reasonably well, certainly second half. First half, it was a bit frustrating at times, didn't really quite open them up. But there was only one team, there was only one team going to score. We, we, we turned the screw a little bit more and more, and that's the second half went on, um, gradually built up more and more pressure. I don't think Burton had anything really substantial to do in the second half. He did make a very good save in the first half to keep it at nil-nil. Uh, down low to his side, but second half he really had little to do, and I think I would completely echo what Finn said that it's one of the uh, best uh, performances we've put in from a defensive point of view all season. Uh, Wilson was good, that Scar and Galloway were very good. Neither of them really allowed Exeter anything. Um, Galloway, um, uh, sorry, Galloway said him. Gillespie was very good when he came on as well, and. Yeah, Butcher was good in sort of controlling the midfield, dictating the tempo and popping up with a slightly lucky goal, but still good performance from him. And I I think, uh, was, it, was it a vintage free-flowing play at Exeter? No. Uh, did we deserve the three points in the end? Yes. And we got them. Yeah, Dan, uh, John mentioned it in his rundown. Obviously, emotion played a huge part in this one. Uh, how well did uh, Argyle do to keep their cool like, whilst playing the occasion? Like, It just felt like other other games where we feel like we have to win, we normally mess up, whereas this one just felt there was, there was no point in that game where I thought we were going to lose that. Well, we've seen how badly it can go in the past when you um, get yourself too fired up for a game or... or... Let's say if the manager makes some stupid pre-match comment like Ryan Lowe did in 2019, um, we all know what happened that day. So, yeah, you've got to kind of balance um, getting fired up enough for the occasion and just just playing a game and, and, and not playing the occasion. Um, I think it's very easy to get kind of overhyped and, and let the occasion get the better of you. As you say, that's happened to us in the past. I think we kind of struck that balance about right. We we were not wildly creative as as um Sam and others have said. Um it was a it was a kind of resolute performance rather than a kind of free flowing one. Um but we were very, very solid. Scar and Galloway and Edwards defensively I thought were absolutely faultless really throughout the 90. Um and yeah, you'll have games like that in in well in any season. But you know, promoted teams have got to do that sometimes. They got to fight. They got to scrap. And we did that really, really well on Saturday. And did we deserve to win the game? You could argue, you know, Exeter with their very good chance early on and the shot from the edge of the area, kind of uncontested, that went just over in the second half. Maybe they deserved a point. Who cares? We scrapped and we defended very well and we got got the three. Yeah, obviously a few players back in the fold. For me, Niall Ennis, uh, Sam basically gave us a rundown of every single player. So uh, Niall Ennis uh, back, to the, back in the fold uh, up top with Cosgrove for me was our, I'd say he's our best player on the day. Uh, how, how crucial is it that he stays fit and, and you know, we have him for the run-in? Uh, I don't want to get in trouble for this with the gods of fate. I don't think it's crucial that anyone stays fit or that anything really happens in terms of, you know, specific on or off the field factors. I think we've got four games left, three of them at home, all against teams I would expect us to beat. And I think we probably, I mean, we'll win three of them and we are up mathematically. I mean, I think it's important that Callum Burton stays fit. No offence to Adam Parks, but I do not want to yeah, have okay, him okay. to play. You weren't saying that after Peter, bro. Yeah, we know that Sam is always... <laughs> Fair enough. 
We know Sam has always resolutely defended Callum Burton on this podcast, and so it would be no surprise to hear him. Two, ve- two um, very good games at Exeter and Shrewsbury for him. Credit where it's due. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, of course. But I've always said, I think, over the course of the season, that like beyond Mike Cooper and then maybe a couple of players I have who are my favourites, I don't think we have any like individuals in the team who are so integral and so outstanding that we can't replace them. I mean, at, at various points in the season, we have lost pretty much everyone in the team who I would say is one of the players that our fans might consider to be like one of the star men of the team. I don't think Hardy has maybe had a, a spell on the sidelines, but, uh, you know, obviously we've had Mayer out, we've had a Zaz out, we've had Scar out. I think he would probably be beyond Cooper, the closest one who I would personally come, uh, you know, I think I would personally say is, has been the biggest miss when he's not been in. Um, and then obviously he did go off injured last night, which is potentially a little bit of a concern. But but I think we've got we've given ourselves leeway now. We've put ourselves in a great position that I don't think it's about saying if this player, you know, can't stay fit, that's a huge problem. Or if this player gets injured, you know, our season's over. It's great to have Ennis back. Um, obviously, you know, played an integral role in two of the three goals that we've scored in the last um, few days that have got us these two massive wins. And I think both times with quick thinking, quality you know obviously his feet in the box um for, for that chance at exeter in the aftermath of the possible penalty we should have had on on saxon early were just mesmerizing the guy is a really great striker at this level and it's great to have him back for the run-in but i don't want to catastrophize about it you know if he goes out with a, a knock in training tomorrow it wouldn't change my assessment that the greens are indeed going up um you know i think that i think we're beyond the stage of the season where an injury crisis is like likely to be the thing that derails us. I think if we're derailed, it will be problems of our own making, probably. Unless, of course, as Sam says, Burton gets crocked and then we have a freak, you know, poisoned lasagna incident, Go, you know, in, in the very fine uh, high dining facilities at Port Vale away. Um, I think, I think, I think we'll be fine. Is that like our biggest asset this season, though? Just like the, 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 the fact that we've had so many players out and no matter who seems to start or play or whatever we seem to just continue to grind out results um i mean what i would say is uh i I fundamentally agree with john's point however you know sometimes your eyes don't lie when you're watching football you know you can go into tactics as much as you want and stuff but i just think we look a more balanced team um with niall ennis up front because he is just able to do ryan hardy has one particular very good strength but as we saw um, when he came on um, last night and Shrewsbury had 10 men behind the ball, he's not really able to affect the game. Whereas Niall Ennis is able to kind of wriggle out tight spaces and do a bit more link-up play. And I think that's just uh, a bit more beneficial. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would agree that it's really good that we don't have like a really, really big like standout player that's scoring all of our goals. But at the same time, there are players that I think are better suited to their positions and therefore make us more likely to win football matches. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Sam, you praised the big bank on the last pod. Uh, thoughts in hindsight after 80-odd minutes of silence? I'm trying to think of this as unbiasedly as I can. Nah, I, I, fuck that. I, Just go yeah. bias, mate. <laughs> well, I, 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 well what I was what I was going to say, which perhaps might be, I thought both sets of fans were were a bit quiet for much of the derby game. Possibly, you know, twelve o'clock kickoff, they they can be that way. But I I don't think 
there was a, a whole lot of chanting from either end, really. Obviously, after we scored, we, we had it. We had a great little runabout. Was the away end that loud? Either I'm, I'm not too sure it was. I think it's just uh, maybe a lot of nerves and mixed with a twelve o'clock kickoff. Um, not enough uh, refreshment opportunities pre-match, shall we say, to get people in full flow. So, yeah, I, I think I don't think it was particularly. Uh, apart from obviously after our, you know for a bit after our goal and obviously at the end at full time, of course, but. That aside, I don't think it would be especially noisy for me with either team supporters. Yeah, I mean, talking of uh, refreshments, and I, and I appreciate why, and I understand why, but for them to give us one pub for 1,200 people with two people behind the bar is um, impressive housery. Uh, nothing <laughs> nothing was ever going to get drunk in that pub. So. Public housery. Public housery. Uh, I'm going to skip forward to a Twitter question from Magic Mayor. Uh, at Mayor is Magic, um, he obviously thinks they obviously think quite highly of Danny. Uh, why don't more teams switch ends like we did at Exeter? Work to treat, and I hate it when away sides do it at home park. Dan Ellard, you can have that one. Oh, did you answer? Did you ask me that in the knowledge that I was going to just say I don't care? But pretty yeah. much. Um, thanks. <sighs> you kick both ways for forty-five minutes, mate. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Is that if you'd like me to expand on that? I probably can, but it, it it's I don't think it's that big an effect, is it? You know, um, the whole Devonport end or the cops sucking the ball into the net. I mean, if that happens in the second half, great, but if it happens in the first half, you know, just as good. Just to just to correct you there, Dan, it's now the Babcock Devonport end. Oh, sorry, Babcock checks in the post. I would, I would generally agree with Dan's point. However, in a derby game, I do think that it is all about psychological advantages um, because everyone wants to win so badly. All the fans, you know, are like, I think that also adds to the atmosphere. Though, I mean, the only thing that Exeter has to play for in that game was that game because their season is, is over. So they have nothing else to, to play for. And with us, we, we have everything on the line. So um, I think to turn them around was um, because it was a particularly um, good um, thing to do because our, our game plan was obviously to nick a goal and then kind of see the game out, which she did. Um, but because they had to attack our end in the second half, once we'd scored, they weren't able to really maybe possibly build up as much momentum. So I think in that case it did work, but generally, yeah, I would agree. Um I, I'd go a little bit further, but I think for, I think two things really one football's a game of fine margins and um two is that momentum is an important factor. I mean if football isn't a game of fine margins at the top level, what why do you why do players why why are there, you know, throwing coaches, why are there people why are there like sleep therapists who even measure things like how big people's pillows are that they sleep on to get the best quality sleep. Anything that makes a one fraction of a percent difference in football, psychologically, nutritionally, and in, a, and in any kind of therapeutic way, is it, it, absolutely imperative. And the, and the very best, most elite clubs manage to find margins. And I think managing the fine margins is what we did turning extra around because I don't, I don't, as I've kind of discussed in the podcast last week, I don't think that it very often happens all that players consciously withhold, withhold effort. But I think, you know, sometimes when players are like little, you know, fractions of a percentage, more energised, more focused, that can make them put that bit more into it. And, and I think when 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 you are kind of um, kicking towards the end of your fans, sort of roaring the ball in, roaring you on, 
that can give you that, that little bit of a, extra momentum that, that makes all, all the tiny bit of difference. So I think managing the fine margin is amongst the most important things you can do in football. And that's how clubs like Argyle are outperforming clubs with budget three or four times odds by doing things like that. So I think it's absolutely a, a brilliant thing to do and it works. Did Sam just do a, a bedding advertisement in the middle of his uh, point there? Because that is seamless rolling advertising. <laughs> yeah, the uh, talk sport will be delighted. But no, I, I, I have, I, I, that's, that's something I've heard. At, at, at a certain championship club, I've um, heard this from somebody who works in football, actually, I won't say at which club, but they, they got a sleep therapist in. They got, well, they got a sleep therapist in at this championship club to measure the thickness of, of the pillows that they had sleeping on there. And they all got their, their own customised pillow to get them the, the, the best quality of sleep. And, and, and what a, you know, what a great idea that was. Well, what a great sleep they've had over there, by the way. Okay, one more question on that. Did he tell you this on April the 1st? It, it, it's a discussion about fine margins in football and, and, and how a good quality of sleep. There, there, there's research papers on this kind of thing. It's it, 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 about how a good night's sleep uh, helps aid maximum performance. And obviously, I know that's a little bit different to um, what end you're shooting at. But uh, to my other point about about that, that little fraction of the percentage more, more energy when... A crowd is drawing you on, and, and I think ultimately, yes, teams both shoot both ends. But but you know why why manage these fine margins if they don't make a difference? And I think they do. So just to confirm, you're not sponsored by Larry Spears. Definitely not sponsored by Larry Spears. No, it's uh... Uh, well, that's good. Other Plymouth-based furniture moguls are available. <laughs> uh, we've mentioned numerous times about our own internal goal of the season competition and uh, how it's running wild. Um, why is it Matt Butcher that's going to win the award? Uh, it really, I mean, it really shouldn't be, should it? I think that would be an ultimate triumph of um, voting for the occasion over the goal. He, he should win it just to just to annoy the, uh, it, the entire Ipswich Town Twitter fan base. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to I, I was gonna, I thought you were going to hit him annoy the extra fans, but I really couldn't give a damn about that. But yes, to be fair, the Ipswich fans who... Who moan on about how how all of our goals are, are deflected and all that kind of thing? It's uh, a, a deflected goal winning our winning our goal of the season would be would be quite fitting. So I'd, I'd be all for that deflection. To, to be fair, though, Sam, playing a intentional wall pass off a defender into the back of the net is a very difficult skill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Not not many can do it, but Matt Butcher can. But watch as watch as Butch now scores a thirty-five yard genuine top corner screamer to send us out. By the way, doesn't matter. And to be fair, Ipswich, Ipswich's goal against us down at Home Park was like just a thing of beauty, wasn't it? No, no luck involved in that at all. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, not not a hint of a deflection, was there? <laughs> anyway, before this gets too salty, um, like a John Allsop Twitter rant. Did we see enough from that exercise that looked like they'd do us a favour over there? Obviously, their next two games are Ipswich on Wednesday. I think it was Finn and you was it you that said uh, their season's basically over? Um, well, it isn't. Um, do we do we think they could do us a, a favour? I mean, Gary Coldwell did um, say about um, after the game um, about his side needing to because they obviously have they. They obviously have goals in that side. We saw how threatening they can be when they came to Home Park in um, October. Um, but Gary Colwell did say about those fine margins um, that they will need to try and progress up the up the division. Um, that 
and I think basically without giving us credit, basically gave us credit for the fact that we are able to get those kinds of wins and kind of like we were talking about with the swapping of ends, those those marginal percentages that ultimately will or could add up over a season. He didn't think they were doing it enough. Um, but yes, I I saw enough. I I've, I've, I think they've you know they've beaten Barnsley at home and they've given um a, a few teams some good games. So uh, I've kind of forgotten what your question is now, but I think that they could do us a favor if if uh, they put in a a decent performance coupled with a slight lapse of concentration possibly from uh, Ipswich or Sheffield Wednesday. John has already poo-pooed the idea of, uh, sorry, I don't know why I laughed at the word poo-pooed, rubbished the idea that... <laughs> Stop talking shit. John has already rubbished the idea that individuals um, returning from injury can make a huge difference. Uh, we saw Randall return to the fold. To be, to be Sorry, to be very clear, what I rubbished, or poo-poos, to use a synonym for rubbished, was the idea that us losing players at this point would make a derailing difference to our season. I think that a player coming back in at a great time and giving us more depth and more options and, and potentially contributing on the pitch is great. Okay, so has Adam Randall timed his return perfectly? Quite po- quite possibly. Um he is, we've proved in the first half of the season what, what a key player he is, um, how much potential he has. Um, and even disregarding potential that he can be a a top-end League One player right now. Um I think we're gonna need we're gonna need all four centre mids, I think, with um perhaps a reluctance to start Jay Matete in many games, given his uh, his uh enjoyment of getting a yellow card let's say um so and we've seen that from you know the last couple of games he's gone Houghton and Butcher um but for for games where we do need perhaps a little bit more um a little bit more kind of dynamism um a little bit more kind of pace and energy and um perhaps a bit more kind of kind of um counter pressing or high pressing um Randall is is perhaps an option for that. Um it was I think it was Butcher went off uh in the Shrewsbury game is that right and and therefore we need you know it might need him on Saturday uh alongside Houghton or maybe he'll go Randall and Matete. Um great to have options in there and and I think Randall is a was one of our well maybe maybe one of our best players in the first half of the season so yeah great to have him back for both squad depth and giving us a really good start and 11 option did you, did you say that after the Port Vale home game Dan? I can't remember what I said after the Port Vale home game you'll have to remind me other than that we weren't going to make the playoffs <laughs> there might have been a slight round to Adam Randall in there as well but uh, it was dead in the heat at the moment so we'll move on from it I genuinely don't remember Sam has never said anything in the moment, so um, yeah, I, I've never, that. I've never had a meltdown after a game. Not, not a chance of it. Anyway, sorry, I've never on, had Adam. a meltdown before, during, or after a game of football. Have you, Sam? <laughs> not in the league. No, sorry, I remember hijacking the podcast with our jokes and internal grievances. So do carry on. What I was going to say about Adam Randall was, um, he is the 
in a way. He is the only player that we've got that is actually a ball progressor. Um, uh, Jamie Tete is a ball progressor in that he is able to progress the ball uh, sort of with dribbling and um, uh, when he's got space in front of him, um, he's a really he's a force to be reckoned with when um, when he's on it and there's enough space for him. Um, but in terms of in terms of the ball actually being progressed forward um, and sort of incisive passes and general passing range, um, I think Adam Randall is by far the best that we've got. And particularly in these next three home games against somebody um, like Cambridge or Burton or Bristol Rovers, um, when you've got a, when you've got a low block and um, you you know are just he he might try something that the others might not. Um, basically, um, and yes, he could. He, the thing is with Randall, sometimes he gives the ball away quite a lot, but that's usually through the um, through him trying things a bit more than the others. I would love to see a Randall and Matete midfield too, because I think that could be absolute chaos. Um, and like, I mean that in both the best and like worst senses of the term, right? Like, you could very much see Randall and Matete like both bombing on doing similar things and both getting caught massively too high up the pitch as we get broken on. Or you could see it being a perfect kind of high pressing ball carrying, zipping the ball from back to front in a split second, you know, dream that I think, uh, to put it mildly, you don't necessarily get out of Houghton and Butcher as much as they have other qualities. Um, so I don't know. I kind of hope that we get to see that. I hope that we get to see that maybe at Port Vale away when we've got a P in brackets next to our name, but um, it would be, it would be fun. I think. Yeah, I think you're right there because they both they obviously both vacate space, but I think Randall does that less so. So I think if you did it with one ten, if it was a mayor in front who has a has a little bit of intelligence that does occasionally drop into that midfield role, it could be a thing of beauty, but it could also go terribly wrong. Just get overrun in the middle. But anyway. There's only one way to find out. Uh, anything else to add on the exit game, or should we call that a break? Uh, only, only to say that um, as much as I, I personally have said many times this podcast, but not really bothered about the uh, Devon derby. Adam Randall warming up by the Argyle fans and joining in singing "One Team in Devon." It's the kind of delightfully tin pot thing that makes League One rivalries between local sides brilliant, and I hope to see much more of it. Whilst we're whilst we're talking about Adam Randall, let's let's just add, ask it now. Um, and obviously, we're speaking about one um, percent uh, sleep coaches and things. Um, how high do we think Randall's ceiling is? Um, I, I I think it could be really high, just because he's already. Uh, how high? I think I think high championship. Um, a high championship is very viable. I think Premier Premier League would would, would be tough, just because he's. He's not the quickest, and and, and I think for, for a central midfielder in the in in, in a in obviously because the pe- people say oh some Premier League players couldn't handle the physicality of the lower league. It's a total myth because it gets it gets quicker and, and and more physical the more higher up you go. It's just that the the technical skill level also goes up with it. So I think for someone who who's not the quickest and and also not the tallest, um, he might struggle a little bit in that regard. Now I you know I know that obviously you know you don't have to be quick at all, but I, I just think you, you know you would have to you know really 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 good on a technical level to to make up for that. And whilst he is good, I'm not sure he's quite that good. I, I you never know; he could prove me wrong. 
I've, I think high championship at the very least because the reason I say that is because as good as he is now, you can still you can still see areas where he can get better. There are still some passes that are just maybe a little bit over hit or a little bit under hit that he doesn't quite execute perfectly. And if he if he just gets the execution a little bit sharper on some of those passes, um, that, that, then then he could be an even better player than the player he is now. I don't want to say whether he will or he won't, um, but one thing I will say is that he's certainly got the temperament for it, which is a massively underrated thing um, in football. Absolutely, actually, yes, very good point. Sam's looking forward to Randall threading through balls to Luke Jeffcott to banging goals at the upper end of the Championship, pushing to the Premier League, I heard. Yes, that, yeah, that, that'll happen, yep. <laughs> Yeah, nice. We'll call that a break there. But um, before we do, uh, John, Ashley Swindon fans, I don't know if you've seen their tweets about Jeff Gott, are actually raving about him, despite the fact he can't score uh, for them. So that's good. Uh, let's call that a break. We'll jump back on afterwards. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We hadn't followed up a Devon Derby win with another win since 2001, according at least to uh, Jamie Todd. Little shout out for Mr Blackpool there. Who wants to run us through Tuesday night's dramatic game at the Montgomery Waters Meadow? I can start on the Montgomery Waters Meadow if uh, you would like. So I thought, um, again, I watched this one on Argyle TV. Um, I thought we were much better than them um, throughout. Obviously, they have had a lot of injuries recently, a very depleted squad. I mean, they were out on their feet at the end. You could see that they were just like straining to keep up with us. We passed the ball around, which I think is totally fair enough, given the level of depletion. Um that being said, obviously, you know, they're a difficult side. The, the hearts break down. They're really well organised. So even though I felt like we had a lot more quality than them, it did take a, you know, a, a period of time for us to be able to break them down. Um, but it was somewhat similar to the home game, which we also won 2-1 against them, which I attended, uh, which was not a particularly enjoyable game of football to watch. Um, I thought they were better that night than they were last night in terms of causing us problems. I think they, they could have scored two or three goals against us, maybe at home park, had some dangerous positions that last night, they only really had the one and scored. But, um, you know, even so, it, it took that same kind of perseverance to break them down. But but I do think we're a better side than them. And I think it showed in the end. Uh, and I think we, we were very good value for the win, even though it did come in extremis at the very end of the game. Um, obviously, you know, we've conceded a fairly horrible goal, a couple of unlucky ricochets, I guess, off a couple of our lads as we... We're defending in, inside our own half, but but also one where you just got to be a bit stronger. Someone had to slide in there and, and clean the ball out and, and just put it out of play or out of field or whatever. And yeah, we and then we were just 
court completely open. So from that point, you know, onwards, I thought we didn't deserve to be behind, but had shot ourselves in the foot. And once again, you just have to praise the the immense character of the players. And again, as we said, you know, with the extra analysis, just the calmness, I think, to not to, you know, to not panic. Um, and in the end, we scored two great goals in a in very pressurised situation, you know, a measured, great piece of like, you know, tenacious scrapping from Ennis near the corner flag, but then a really measured cross to the back post from a striker as well. And then a magnificent cross from a centre-back, Macaulay Gillespie, swept into the back post. When you how, how many times have you seen that just as a kind of percentage chance been lumped into the box with, you know, too much pace on it or sort of lofted with too little pace on it? You know, it, 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 a goal that could well be the one we look back on and say that was really what got us over the line for promotion. To, to, to have that sort of calmness to really dig out that sort of quality to the back post is majestic and a great header from Callum Wright as well. Obviously that I don't think that's an easy chance by any means, even though he's not far out from goal, you know, it's a little bit of an angle, it's a difficult height, could have slashed at it, could have put it in the side netting, could have got kicked in the very pretty face that he has. Um, and instead threw himself at it and, and it's an emphatic header. And yeah, obviously the circumstances will make it look to Bands of clubs rhyming with Pipswich, Pound and Peppield, Pensday, like we got away with a massively lucky one again. But I don't think that's what happened at all. Um, I think the stats of the game show that we were the better side, dominated it. Um, and in the end, yeah, deserved to win. OK, yeah, I would like to uh, say that I never thought that we'd be talking about um, Callum Wright's pretty face on this podcast, uh, John. Um, I, I look ideal in facts. He also shout out to Sam Barker. Callum Wright also had a fantastic head of hair, and and, and we're so uh, fond of staying after a few drinks on, um, on the bus. So, yeah, uh, and, and, an and a totally is... a totally original thought that I've just had is that he's the sort of player you know that that you might say you pay the admission price to watch. He he absolutely he absolutely is. Um, I I love Callum Wright. I think he's one of the best January signings uh, in terms of the impact he's made. He's he, he's come off the bench and changed so many games, and he's had some good games at the start as well. Um, that was just one of the most incredible uh, days, evenings I've ever had uh, watching this football club. That's why we do it. Simple as that. That's why we travel all the way up the country. It, that's why we spend so much money on it. it it's days, moments like that. It, it was very much, you know, when you see something going in slow motion, that ball going across right, that that magnificent diving header. Um, and just being hugged and, and mobbing, you know, loads of different people, the way and bouncing up and down. Um, it, it, I, I'm, I'm getting emotional just talking about it. It was one of the most incredible moments ever. Um, doesn't quite beat Peter Hartley, Pompey home, but it, 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 it's, it's, it's in that next sort of level down. And I think even, you know, if we do go over the line, I'm not sure for sheer jubilation, the things will quite match last night. Um, and I shouted myself hoarse, if you can all hear from my voice. My voice is uh, breaking up. It, it was just an absolutely incredible, incredible game, an incredible moment. And I think we did deserve the win, you know. Um, Marusi made a great save in the first... Um, Marusi, is it? Mar- I, I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong. The Shrewsbury keeper made a, a great save in the, the first half. And we had a few other chances as well. So it wasn't as if it was just like a last-minute, undeserved. That's nothing against Shrewsbury. They fought really hard. That They... they defended well but we, 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 we had enough chances to win the game and as much as we left it late we did get a much deserved win in the end and really needed it Ipswich winning Sheffield Wednesday winning um, 
it's another game ticked off without having lost ground to any team. I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy the next full game very much, but I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy the full time if we have four more full times like like last night. Yes, I was going to touch on the fact that you said that it's the best away game of the season. That's going to take some beating, right? I mean, obviously you weren't at Derby, but still, like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I would. I unfortunately would laid low ill for Derby. Um, but I don't think even that would have would have beaten last night. Because it's it great if Derby surely would have been. Uh, it was it was kind of a game at the start of the season. We didn't really know how the season was going to play out. Teams were all, were still sort of you know. Um, Eyeing each other up a bit, we weren't really sure what type of season it was going to be. That, in the context of promotion, being a sheer matter of seconds away from dropping out of the top two for the first time since September, to then dig deep, as John's alluded to, shut up mental resilience when it was really needed, and just find a way of getting a goal. Great crossing, great diving header. I think um, saying it wasn't an easy chance. I get what John's saying. Well, I don't want to go away from the cross. It was a great ball in. But but for hit but obviously it, it was you know the, the way it fell, obviously it, it it was it kind of fell to him too low for a for a kind of nodded in header but but I, I think it wouldn't have fell very sweetly for a volley either so I think he and he probably wouldn't have got there in time for a volley so I think he judged that the diving header was the right thing to do and it was just and it, and yeah he he got that decision absolutely spot on as he scored from it. I think it's the first time I've actually since Peter Hartley where I've physically screamed at a goal like like there was just an outpouring of emotion when that went in I think from everyone and it was sort of uncontrollable um just the most incredible like goal because it feels so significant to me because I I, I, I and I'm sure everyone else as well but I've I've been supporting the club now for about 11 years so one of my first memories Really, of supporting Argyle was the the um last last game of the season at Rochdale where we stayed up by the skin of our TV in the football league, and that's about exactly ten years ago. Um, so to see that transition, it just felt bar bar Peter Hartley and bar um the the goals that ultimately kept us in the football league at Chesterfield. I think that could prove to be one of our biggest goals ever, possibly. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. Absolutely huge. Do, do we now have too many players that are just better off the bench? <laughs> quite quite possibly. The issue is not that the players individually are better off the bench. It's that something about being coming coming off the bench makes them play better. It, it would be it would be easy if it was just like they're coming off the bench and they're playing class off the bench. So let's throw them in from the beginning, and that had the same effect as them coming off the bench. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't. Um, so yeah, I don't know how to figure that one out. Do we need to start like five of the youngsters and give them like ten minutes each, and then just bring on quintuple, quintuple substitution in the first minute? Yeah, well, we, we, we're we going to get Will Jenkins Davies enough games to make sure he gets the title medal. He's had, he's had a handful already, haven't he? So, um, I think, to be fair, um, maybe an aspect of it is the fact that for some of these players, they've kind of been unlucky in the games they have been selected in the starting. Could they've been in selected in games where we maybe not set up so well tactically and got a bit overrun and have not really had the chance to show what we can do. Like, I think Matete and Callum Wright all started Barnsley away, Peterborough away at Wembley. Um, 
And those were all games that Avram said, I think, set up a bit wrong. So I think maybe it's being a little bit overstated that they've not really started in the favourable games quite so much. They've started in the games against tougher opposition and all the games we've set up a bit wrong. Look, I don't deny there is an aspect of, of certainly Matete being, being better off the bench. Uh, maybe Callum Wright to an extent too, but I, I also don't think we should rule out the idea that they, that they may very well be excellent starters for us because I think they can be. Uh, and I would probably, all things considered, because I don't think Houghton has put in the best couple of games despite two wins. Um, I, I would probably consider starting both of them uh, against Cambridge, both Matete and Callum Wright. Perhaps a point worth raising, though, is that we are just such a kind of second half team. We 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 start slower and finish strong, and I and, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, so the fact that you know we are kind of more of a driving force um, as games go on, um, perhaps it's inevitable that you know players will perform better or even look better. Um, when they are playing in the kind of later phases of the game. This ties into my kind of um, something that I kind of worked out last night um, in terms of just how well we have performed in second halves, how many times we have come back from losing positions. Um, if this season uh, every game was first goal wins, uh, we'd currently be seventh right now with about 20 points fewer than we've got at the minute. Uh, just showing how bloody well we've been at, um, at, at comeback wins. Seven of them this season now in the league. I sincerely really think Schumacher is the best manager in the country in game changes at the moment. Barring maybe like Guardiola or whatever. But Were you saying that at Wembley? His record of changing games off the bench is unbelievable. Um you know, we've spoken about it many times, so I won't elaborate more than that. But it's it bears saying again. I can't remember who tweeted it, so apologies for this. But it's, Argyle have scored 15 goals after the 80 minute mark this season. Incredible, uh, impressively, eight of those strikes have come in the 90th minute or later, and that's in league competition only. I that's mean, that's the incredible. stuff that gets you up, isn't it? You know, those are the stats that get you up. And what I would, I would. Gets the club promoted as well. Yeah, huge, huge credit to our fitness coaches for that as well. Our fitness staff for having that, um, for for just giving them the capacity to be able to dig deep and, and find all those late goals. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to um, throw on this is that I think for the last four games in particular, um, three of them we probably need to win. Um, I would I would say that he could help himself a bit by getting his selection right in the first place. Um, because I don't think there was any reason why we needed to start Sam Cosgrove again. I don't think he was particularly good against Exeter. Um, I don't think he suits the way we play from the start and is much more well impactful off the bench. Um and um I am a bit I, I'm a you know. Um, why am I moaning? We're top of the league with four games to go, but I'm a little bit fed up of going behind um, and then having to come back because, well, like Lincoln was an example, one of those times that isn't going to happen. And, you know, it's such fine margins up here right now. It would be, we'd be better off having a fast start and then looking to control the game a bit like we did against Exeter. But having said that, if we, if we go through it and we have to keep doing this and we do it, then I'm not going to have any complaints, am I? 
Yeah, no, I agree with that, Phil. I think that's a not unreasonable viewpoint. What I would say in mitigation is two things. Um, um, firstly, that um, we're maybe being spoilt by just how brilliant he is in game change, expecting him to be brilliant from the start. Because, like Dan said, if it's first goal win in seventh, well, with our budget, seventh would still be a pretty good season. So he, he he's by no means a bad manager at setting up from the start. He's just an even better one at changing it from the bench. What I would also say, just to give a little bit of a devil's advocate, is maybe it says something good about our rotation policy. The fact that we've got the players uh, who are fit enough to dig deep in the game and manage those fine margins. Maybe if it was the same core of players being played a bit too much, um, maybe we wouldn't quite have that, that physicality uh, and, and energy to do so. So I'm thinking that as much as there are some criticisms we made of the rotation policy, as much as we have criticised on here at times, maybe the rotation policy is actually what's causing us to be so good late in games because it's freshness of legs. Players aren't being overplayed. I thought that's the point worth making. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, Sam. Talking of uh, being overplayed, a player that is uh, coming into form at the right time and ageing like a fine wine or a, a mature David Stowe cheese, uh, Joe Edwards getting his first goal of the season. Uh, which baffled me because if you'd asked me how many goals Joe Edwards has got this season because I don't have the memory of Sam, I'd have said at least four when he doesn't. They were last season. Um, yeah. How, um, I don't know, make up a question here. Something about being scoring at the right time. He loves that type of goal, doesn't he? That sort of like drifty into the back post and sort of plop a header into the net. He's just, he scored at least three of those that I can remember for us. Just kind of unusual for a right wing back. Um, but I think it does speak to how sort of all action he is, right? And what I will say about Joe Edwards is I think I think I've said in the past that for all the work rate and heart and leadership you get, he's maybe our weakest link on the pitch. And I don't think that's been true, really, especially in the second half of the season. I think he has been absolutely magnificent. Um, he's really stepped up. I think showed a level not just of all those other qualities that we associate with him that I just mentioned, but of quality, um, you know, technical ability, fitness. He's someone I would not have said probably even a few weeks ago that I would be very comfortable playing in the championship week in, week out. And I still think there's a chance he might get found out in the championship at his age, but he's been brilliant in recent weeks and, and certainly is someone who I would always wanted around the squad in the championship for the other reasons that I said, but is now someone who I think is seriously looking at actually staying in the team as well. He's really, really stepped up to the plate and been Fantastic. I yeah, agree with game. every word of that, John. Um, the only other thing I'd say is that, uh, well, me and Dan were having a discussion the other day about who was going to win our player of the season. Uh, because obviously Cooper has been fantastic, but he's not played that many minutes compared to others because of his injury. Um, Scar's been excellent, but again, he, he's missed a lot of minutes because of his injury. Gillespie had a brilliant run, but he, he's missed quite a lot of minutes due to injury and, and also maybe did perform a little bit before being dropped out of the team lately. So, I wonder if it might be Joe Edwards, not because he's necessarily put in the best performances over the season, but because he has put in a, a solid, consistent run of performances without missing any prolonged spells. And also the fact that he, and maybe this is a bit bit of a sort of airy-fairy view, but he maybe personifies more than anyone else why we are where we are, the kind of the, the brilliance of being able to overachieve by being incredibly fit, incredibly dedicated, incredibly mentally strong, when we need to be and I think he, he sort of personifies that as our captain and in the way he plays so I think I think I probably after a little bit of reflection have you turned on my player of the season I might go for Joe Edwards not because he has been the best player I think even he'd admit he wouldn't be but because he's been a solidly good player 
without missing any prolonged spells and personifies us as a team. If you saw um, Schumacher's comments after the game, uh, and we talked earlier about the sort of turning around Exeter percentages thing, he was actually the person that suggested that to Schumacher before the game. Um, and that it's that kind of... I don't know, he is like... I, I, I love Joe Edwards. I've, I would be a very sad day when he leaves Plymouth Argyle because I think he should be fantastic for us um, and is just... Um, I think he's the next Gary Sawyer, though, right? He's just going to move into a coaching role and then, you know, just well, yeah, for the rest of his life. Yeah, I, I, I think he, I think he deserves it if he wants it. Um, he's been, you, you never get a, a bad game out of him, um, and you always, you always believe. Uh, you can, you can see why he's trusted so much, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, it just says everything about the guy that he is aging. Um, but he he has come into possibly some of his best form um, that he's had at the club. Yeah, bar the goals. Um, yeah, his whole time right now when we when we most need him. Yeah, I think as well those just those fist pumps at Exeter away, just like that final whistle went and it was just like that release of just emotion was just like, oh god, what a boy, what a man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be sad when he goes. Um, uh, let's move on to unless there's anything else you want to mention about Shrewsbury should we move on to the Twitter questions our friends over at PAFC Displays said have you ever seen an Argyle side with such resilience and a never say die attitude these boys are running through walls for us at the moment could the Wembley defeat be the catalyst for that extra push that we needed um, I won't ask Dan because I know he doesn't Dan Ellard. The, the, the answer to all of the questions in that tweet is no as in, no, I've never seen a side so resilient and no, the Wembley defeat was not the catalyst for any of this. Okay. This isn't quick-fire questions. Okay, that's um, fine. Yeah, well, to be fair, I think, I think we've kind of inadvertently pre-answered that, haven't we, in some of the stuff we spoke about and how we got the win done for the Shrewsbury game. But I, I couldn't agree more. It is, it is excellent resilience. I mean, it's been... I mean, the, I mean, first half of the season, we still had a lot of wins from losing positions, but we also had a lot of points we threw away from winning positions like at Burton we did it at Pompey we did it uh, Lincoln we did it um, I think there's one or two more at Bristol Rovers of course the 2-0 lead so so we, we kind of did that to, to our detriment a little bit and it, our Fleetwood of course from, from ahead at, in the first half of the season but now we've kind of kept on turning games around in a positive sense but we've stopped really throwing away uh, leads winning position. in fact I don't think we've failed to win a game from a from a winning position in a very long time, probably not even since Burton away, which is incredible. And even then we were behind in the first place. And even then we were behind in the first place, exactly, yeah. Yeah, this I suppose this one could be a quick fire question. Maybe Dan can answer this one. Uh, Carl Fletcher's goal or Callum Wright's away at Shrewsbury? Oh blimey! Well, um, Fletcher's goal was obviously very symbolic of the struggles that we were going through as, as a club at the minute in terms of a real kind of defiance, um, battling against the odds. Um, so that one takes a lot of beating. However, if we do get promoted, if we do get over the line, as others have said, this Callum Wright goal 
could well be the kind of symbolic moment that this is this is the moment we're going to do it. So uh, wait and see on that one is my answer. For me, it has to be uh, Fletcher's because there was uh, more Sakuna in play. Michael Savage asks, a bonkers season. Obviously, we don't want it to come down to Port Vale, but given the state of things, you have to assume it will. Interested to know what you all made of Houghton. Thought he did well in the first half, but his delivery is still an issue. And also, why are we so bad at corners? Um, I have to be brutally honest, and I think that's going to bring down the feel-good mood of the podcast. I thought he was quite poor uh, for a lot of it. Um, same with the X for the game. I thought he just just didn't really keep hold of the ball, gave it away a bit too much. Um, I don't want to single out individual players. I wasn't going to make a point of mentioning it, but unfortunately I have to answer Michael's question. Honestly, I don't think anybody wants us to, to hide our opinions. I thought he was very poor. And I, I, maybe very poor, especially. I thought he was quite poor. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, he, he just does seem to be a player who, who when the lights are at their brightest, um, doesn't play at his best. I think, again, I don't want to be unfair to him. I think from... September to January this season, he was he was fantastic for us, and I've said all the I've said many times on this podcast, I think he's got all the tools to be one of the best midfielders in the league. But did he pull it all together, and did he did he really produce that uh, yesterday or at Exeter? I'd say no, he didn't. There we go. That's my take. He also really kind of weirdly tried to play an offside trap for their goal last night. Edwards dropped back and Houghton pushed out, and I don't really. I don't want to kind of say definitely Houghton's fault and Edwards was blameless. That would kind of seem like confirmation bias. But I wonder what you guys think in terms of should Houghton really be kind of flying out there and trying to play the guy offside? Or do you just kind of make them play the extra pass, stay goal side and and try and contain a bit more? I'm not even sure if there was an attempt at an offside trap there or if they were just confused. I mean, he shouldn't have been the last man, so I'm not going to blame him for that. I mean, that was sort of a defensive breakdown um and I think that ball in behind it may just literally just have been that he didn't really see that ball in behind coming and just sort of stepped out so I'm not I'm not too critical on that I think I think on Sam's point I agree I didn't think he was great last night um I just felt like when we were moving the ball forward in that period where we were just besieging their goal obviously it had a happy ending so we're all going to remember that but there were times where it just felt slow trying to get the ball in and around their box and I get that they would they, they sort of banked up players there it's difficult to break them down they're a tough side but I did feel like it was when it was going via Houghton particularly that it was just slow like he was taking one too many touches he wasn't quite getting a penetrating ball in look yeah he got into the box and had that shot that I think was deflected narrowly wide that might otherwise have gone in pretty late in the day um yeah I agree with Sam actually pretty much entirely on this I think he's got a lot in his locker to be a very very good player at this level I just feel like recently I haven't massively seen it from him in quite a few games, unfortunately. Um, so that was that. That's my answer on that. To uh, Michael's other questions, um, I actually don't assume it's going to go down to Port Vale on the final day because I think we will win our three home games in between then. And even if we don't, I think one of the other two will drop points in a way that allows us to go up before Port Vale. This is my sincere hope that I'm going to manifest into existence by saying it's a prediction. Uh, but, I, but I do also predict it. Um, on corners, how many goals have we? Sam might know this. How many goals have we scored from corners this season, Sam? Uh, well, we got one at Exeter. We got um, one Wickham home. Randall whipped the ball in. Dan Scar scored. We got one Milton Keynes home. Whitaker ball in and Gillespie scored. Gillespie. That was a free kick, wasn't it? 
sorry, it was, but but there was Gillespie at Peterborough. So there was um there was there was uh score against Wickham. Gillespie James against Peterborough, one, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, so that, that's yeah. Four. So it's four. So actually, when you think about it, after quite a long barren run of not scoring from corners, we've actually scored four goals from corner kicks in the second well, half of I the was, season alone. The point the point I was going to make though is that you have to make you have to then subtract two for the goals that we've conceded from our own corners, of which there have been at least two. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. It's a pretty remarkable record, right, where you're actually kind of having to tot up how many goals we've scored versus conceded from our own corners. Um, yeah, it doesn't answer Michael's question as to why, which I find kind of perplexing actually as well, because as yesterday proved, we have real, real quality at getting the ball into the box. It just seems to be from when it's stopped dead that we, yeah, I don't know, whatever reason. I'm slightly like... It's the wrong way to feel, I guess, but I guess it's just as a result of the last few games. Like every time they have a corner, I'm nervous that we're going to concede from it. Particularly as, again, I don't want to finger point, but Jordan Houghton's delivery just it isn't good enough. I don't think it. So many, so many times, and particularly a few times last night, just goes straight into the keeper's hands, and then you've got an immediate opportunity to counterattack. You know, you're better off not even if you if you if you're gonna if you're gonna not put a good delivery in, you're actually better off just not getting it beyond the first man because then at least they have to head it clear or something. Um, but get but in straight lofted straight into the keeper's hands when he's got a lot of time to think about it, it just gives them an opportunity to to stage a counter attack when all the rest of our players are in the box. It's exactly that the the first. The game against Exeter Houghton managed to find Blackman more than any other player, I think, straight into his hands. Butcher takes one. I'm sure he, he may have taken another one, but he takes one and we score from it. Um, our best corner against Shrewsbury came from Gillespie taking it. Um, granted, it was a bit too deep, but at least it didn't go straight into the keeper's hand. Like, if that's what Houghton's in the side to do, then maybe just switch it up, get somebody else to take them. I think that's that's the easiest answer there. Uh, Lee Smith asks despite all three auto hopeful teams winning last night why does our win just seem better due to the drama uh, Wednesday especially must have been gutted despite winning no I don't think it's just due to the drama I think it's the fact that it was our last away game until the very final day of the season and we now have a buffer of three home games which is where we've traditionally been better uh, I think it's down to the fact that rightly or not, given their subsequent form, when I was kind of looking at this 10-game mini-league after Barnsley away, Shrewsbury jumped out on paper as being by far the hardest game of that run-in. Again, their form since then has tailed off. They've had an injury crisis, so I was a little bit more bullish actually going into the game this week. But even so, I mean, it's a tough place to go and they're hard to break down. It's exactly the sort of place earlier in the season where you could have seen us going and getting turned over or scrapping a a kind of dissatisfying draw. I think there's also the fact that it means we've won our last four away games in a season where we actually haven't been nowhere near as good away from home as at home. That's a great time to be levelling up those statistics a little bit. Um, yeah, I think there's I think there's a number of a number of factors in it. And I think the biggest one is very simply you know, kind of diminishing returns for the sides chasing us, right? Every game that goes on that we win, the window closes just that little bit more. Um Actually, uh, actually, Ipswich fans touched on it last night. They were like, every time we sing top of the league, we are top of the league, Plymouth Argyle always find a goal. Um, 
and that does that maybe not with the team and stuff, but that does wear away eventually. You know that at, at fans' confidence and things get. I mean, ultimately they are the ones. You know, it might be one or two points, but they are still chasing us. As long as we win, um, there comes a point where they obviously can't overtake us anymore. So, um, and I think, I mean, I don't think anybody was um expecting us. Not even me. I wasn't expecting us to score in the last uh. In the last minute, uh, last um, last night, but we did, and we keep doing, we keep doing it, and that's just a remarkable thing. And it's it's again, it's the psychological percentages that are so um, crucial, particularly at this point in the season. Yeah, there was something about last night as well that was just like, we're just gonna get, we're just gonna get the winner here, we're just gonna get the win. <clears throat> one for you, Dan. I reckon you'll enjoy this one. Uh, Andrew Willis has asked, uh, would it be okay if, if he changed his name to Niall Ennis because he loves him so much? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you could you could go full deed poll like our most famous fan pie face did and, and if you if you really feel that way, but I don't think anyone's going to begrudge you that. Um, I might wait and see for mine until, you know, if you ever scores are kind of the goal that confirms our promotion. If we do go up, um, I might save my my name change for that. But uh, yeah, sure, yeah, Niall Ennis is a is a is a is a good name if you ask me. Talking of uh, famous fans, Dan, um, our fan from Japan has now seen uh, one less win on the road than me this season. I've been to seventeen away games. <laughs> so he's obviously a bit of a good luck charm. I think the same, the same for me as well. I haven't worked it out yet, but Sam and I were talking earlier about what must be Argyle's points per game with me in attendance versus without me in attendance. Because despite attending a fair whack of the games, I seem to have managed to get there for every heartbreaking, crushing, emotional low. And have been there for a couple of real highs, but not anywhere near as many as we've had. To the point where I was actually saying, when, when we were saying in a group chat earlier, that nothing will ever top this season in terms of fan experience. For me, last season topped this season in terms of fan experience. Last season, I couldn't stop seeing us win. I had lots of really great away days. And this season, I've just had more miserable days out than, than happy ones, um, which is a complete work, I guess. But, you know, obviously this season will be live long in the memory for other reasons. But there's my personal win out of the way. Yeah, it seems to be the way. I, I'm almost tempted not to go to Port Vale um, purely on the basis that we might win that then. If I just like sit in the social club outside the uh, the away end um, on my own, uh, we might win that. So, uh, Jack Leslie asks, which of the current out-of-contract players would you offer extensions to if we go up? For me, Niall Ennis and Dan Scar are musts. Just a shame Ennis' injury record is quite poor at times. Unbelievably technically gifted striker, and we missed him so much. Yeah, sure. Um, yes, definitely. Yes, to those two scoring Ennis. I'll try to be succinct on this, and it's quite a it's a question that has the potential for a long answer. Um, who else had a contract? Oh, I think Conor Grant would probably go. I think he just had too many too many injuries. Danny Mayer, as I mentioned, I would certainly try and keep on. Whether he then goes back up north in his own prerogative, I'd certainly try and keep him on. Um, obviously tr try and keep Ryan Hardy despite the form he's in just now has a great impact potential even in the championship um, James Wilson I think he was a, a backup player um, there's going to be some of the young players who've not really made it or not really pushed on like Lauren Jeffcott are going to be released um, and I think I would probably let Houghton go as well just because Randall and Butcher are in contract but I think we probably want to bring a top level CM in 
if we're going to compete and if there's no one, if we are in the championship, of course, if we're in League One, it might be a bit different. But I'd probably let Houghton go, let Law and Jeffcott go. Um, Connor Grant probably let go, probably let just because of his injuries, so much as anything, probably let go Galloway and Bolton because of his injuries and keep the rest in some capacity, whether it's as a starter or as a backup. Yeah, interestingly, though, I don't think any of those are currently like championship level. They can develop into championship level players, and certainly they have attributes to be able to do so. Um, but I don't think you, there's one player that you can look at and go, yes. Is definitely a championship level player. Um, the closest to that is probably Niall Ennis and then Dan Scott. Um, but yeah, I do think it's important, particularly for this first season, to keep your players that maybe aren't particularly championship level as such, um, but just have that experience, like James Wilson and obviously Joe Edwards is in contract, but they're important characters to have around the dressing room because ultimately, not very um, much, but I believe. Um, James Wilson has, and obviously Joe Edwards, have been in championship dressing rooms before. A point worth mentioning, though, Finn, is that you know fans old enough to remember the last time we got promoted out of this league 19 years ago, um, absolutely pivotal players in that team um, were David Frio and Graham Coughlin. And, and I'm sure the discussions around then would have been um, that, you know, Frio and Coughlin will be pivotal um, as we make the step up to the championship. In that first season, neither of them really cut it at championship level. And then you had players like kind of Watton, Norris, even kind of Al Joffrey, I think, that were kind of um, looked look sound at that level. So I think it's, it, it is kind of difficult to know, I think, who will make the step up and who won't. Yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. With his recent starts, and I know I'm going to get hate for this, and I know you're all going to disagree, but there's something in me that's like telling me that we should keep Galloway on for another season. I think. Oh, he's a quality player, Aaron. No, you know, no doubting that. I think if you if we can even get twenty games a season out of him, yeah, he's worth keeping because he's such a such a good footballer. Um, but it's I guess the question is, can we get twenty games a season out of him? I don't want to use the whole dressing room chat again. Um, but like, you know, he's been at that level with Luton, you know, punching above their weight. He's been, you know, in Premier League dressing rooms. I'm just, you know, and, and I'm aware that he's made out of paper and I'm aware that he breaks quite easily. But I, it's just, maybe I'm just still clinging on to that that goal against Lincoln uh, many moons ago. But, you know, that first that first spell before injury with us, he was, he was excellent. And, you know, the fact that he's now starting Saturday, Tuesday, Makes me think that there might be uh, a contract in the offing. I think. I think also this this depends. Sorry, a little bit on budget, right? And who else we're bringing in? It's not necessarily a question you can just answer as a yes or no. Here's a list of players right now. Um, I think there are probably names on there who you might offer or not based on players we might have in the works to come in in the summer or players we might get in early and just the general amount of money that's available for transfers. So I think it's a bit of a tough question to answer right now. Is it slightly worrying, though, that we haven't announced any extensions of yet? I'm sure they're working behind the scenes. No. Well, well, we've announced Edwards and, and Gillespie and, and Burton, haven't we, already? But, um, yeah, not, none, in a, none in a while since those three, admittedly. Hopefully, uh, yeah, Scott well, Wennis I mean, will be next. There seems to be quite a big chunk of players who play regularly that are, you know, 
and, and a club are obviously very well run now and they'll have an idea of what they want next season. Like I mean, rightly or wrongly, whether we think the some of the players can make up to step up to the championship or, or not. Um some of the, I think a lot of them are waiting to see whether we go to the championship. Um, because they will look at it as they have been competing at the top end of League One. So at the very least they should go to a club um that will compete at the top end of League One next season. And without being too negative, if we don't get up to the championship, I don't think it's necessarily guaranteed that we're going to be in the same position next season. Just just quickly, obviously we're fighting you know, to go up. This is a very live question mark about where we'll be next season, which affects not only whether certain players might want to stay or look elsewhere, but also presumably the financial terms, et cetera, et cetera. I'd be a lot more worried if we were sort of coasting in mid-table and there was this silence, but I'm not really concerned that we're not announcing end-of-season type business en masse when it's not very clear what league we'll be in. So that, that, that seems pretty normal to me. There was a question somebody asked, and I'm struggling to find it. I'm going to come back to that. I'll give you another one to ask. Emma said, can we please beat a team 3-0 to prevent strokes, heart attacks and general stress levels? And uh, Argyle Chance, as we call him, because we are a family-friendly pod, uh, trademark Joe Bell, uh, he asks, odds on Tyreek Wright playing a full 90 minutes on Saturday? <laughs> Low, I hope, if it's going to be my only answer to that. Yeah, same here. Um, I think... Well, I think, like I alluded to earlier, I just think Schumacher has got to just make it easier for himself um, and just go, well, I don't mind if he goes two up front, but, you know, we know that Niall Ennis has is, is, is done well in the last two games since he's been back. Um, Tyreek Wright hasn't done that well when he's played. Um, and I understand that Bally Mumba might be back this, this, maybe not from the start, but yeah, I can't see that. Yeah, I can't find the question. That was a good question. Somebody asked it. Um, yeah, I should have screenshotted it when I saw it. Green Army 1989 asks, what do the podders make of the very direct approach we seem to have adopted in the last two games? Is this likely to be something we continue with? And the question that I can't find was from somebody called Aidan or Alan or Aaron at the end of an A that was about Schumacher's changing it up the last uh, few away games and we've won four on the bounce. Is that is that due to this new direct approach? Uh, hello to Aidan or Aaron or Alan or, or indeed anyone dealing with A. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, um, I think it's more down to 3-5-2 away from home. As I've said, I, I, I added it for a while. I think 3 4 3, certainly against the big teams away from home, wasn't doing the job. Against the smaller teams, it, it, it did do a bit better, certainly, but I think 3 5 2, we just look more in control of games. And, and I'm, I'm glad that that's, that's done the trick. Um, I think I'll be more direct. I yes, but, but then we are we also are playing some decent stuff as well. The um the chance for menace that Morosi saved brilliantly was from a, a good bit of play. Uh, so I think we just show we can do it both ways, and uh, yeah, we 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 can go along when we have to, but we can still play some decent stuff as well. Um, and I think maybe it's it, to, to go a bit more advanced into it tactically when teams do uh, have a, have 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 a very low block sometimes. 
we, we try and make it a bit more direct just to kind of force them to push out. But if we purely go for the possession style, they can just sit deep and straight us. Maybe if by going a bit more direct, we, we kind of make it a bit more of a blood and thunder end-to-end game. We're sort of forcing them to push the lineup a bit, and which we can then exploit them long balls over the top, which I think tactically might be intentional. Nice. Last question is from Thomas Kent. And I believe this is for Joe. Uh, he said, when is the Booze Cruise promotion party booked for? I believe Joe's sorting that out for us, isn't he? He was paying for the booze on that one. Um, we'll invite everyone. It can be on Joe's card. Last but not least, obviously, three home games up next. Uh, Cambridge, the first visitors to home park with Mark Bonner's side having their own uptake in form. Any thoughts ahead of this one? Possibly a good time to play them, I would have thought. Um, as you say, been on a been on a good run, um, pulled themselves to the brink of being out of the bottom four. Um, but that run kind of halted in midweek, uh, losing at home to Wickham, I believe it was. Um, so, yeah, potentially a good time to play them. But as the whole cliche goes, they're going to be scrapping for their lives. No easy games at this stage of the season, etc., etc. Um, we can and I don't want to go as far as say should get the job done and get three points against them but on a if nothing bizarre happens yes you would hope it would be another three in the bag and then we're probably looking at only needing one more win I know we need we need eight points kind of mathematically but you'd think that Wednesday wouldn't win all three and Ipswich would get I think seven from four that they'd need um so I think two more wins and we're there we could even do it next Tuesday, couldn't we? Yeah, that would be that 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 would be pretty incredible. I think um the only the only thing I would say is that Wednesday do have a pretty favourable run. I know we do as well, but like I think I think that might be an argument that we may maybe we will end up needing needing the three wins or, or maybe at least seven points just because Wednesday do have some good games on paper, but then they have some good games in their run when they only won one and eight as well, didn't they? So who knows? But um We've just gotta we've just gotta get it done. Uh we've just got to um just not not get too frustrated. Not not for goodness sake, if we do go one nil down, not do anything silly like play Matete at right back and Tyree Gride at left back again. We keep keep to our game and not, you know, make um shall we say eccentric uh decisions like that. Um yeah, just just get just get it done. Don't get don't get frustrated and impatient and on the team's backs just where Still nil nil into the second half because we show we can dig deep and find it. Um, crikey, we've just got to get it done because I feel I'm not sure my heart can take. Um, you know, again, if, if after finally kind of sticking my neck out and saying, "Okay, I think we'll do it," if we then have another collapse, I'm not quite sure I'll take that, and I certainly don't think I'll be able to take the playoffs. So, please, Argyle, come on, get it done. Yeah, you say about nerves. If if it's still nil nil at half time, I can imagine Home Park is going to be a nervous place on Saturday. Uh, the Groundhopper app reminded me 13 years ago today was the 2-0 the Newcastle win at Home Park that sent us down. The, the the man who got the second assist that night will obviously be back in the dugout on uh, Tuesday uh, as Joey Barton brings his uh, Bristol Rovers side down. That's obviously our game in hand. W- would you would you argue that's that's like the most important game of this running now? Um, it's certainly the, the game I'm least looking forward to. Um. I think Rovers has the potential to be a tricky game. Um, we saw the, I know it's at the Memorial Stadium, but we we saw the, um, the tricky game they gave us earlier in the season. And 
by his own admission, Joey Barton hates us, so he's going to do everything he can to stop us um, winning and possibly winning promotion on that on that day. Um, but oh, you know, I, I think basically we just need to do our job and and alluding to um, what um, what we talked about previously, maybe going um, more direct um, in the last couple of games. Is Schumacher going? We just need to get the wins. Um and mate and trying to simplify it, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, we just that's the one that I see as the one that we could drop points in. Having said that, if we play um anything like we have done in the last two games, I think we'll be fine. Can you see Port Vale playing We Are the Champions if we send them down and lift the title on the on the final day? Absolutely <laughs> not, though. No. That's a shame. Like a little party on Vale Park. Um, I think that's enough for tonight. Unless anybody's got anything else to add before we go. Obviously, uh, any Joe Allen-based scrapping news. I was, um, was going to say it'll be the greatest game Vale Park has ever seen after El Ceramico in the Papa John's Trophy or whatever it was called back then. <laughs> of 2019, I want to say. A game where Port Vale beat Stokes under 23s 4 0, and Stoke took, I think, 4,000 fans. Am I right about that, Sam? Uh, over for and, the game. And basically <laughs> smashed up Vale Park in the surrounding area. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, if listeners haven't, uh, are not aware of this uh, footballing giant of a game, look up El Ceramico and, and you, you won't be disappointed. Um, yeah, no smashing up, but hopefully we have our own party of 4,000 at Vale Park. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Cool. Let's call it. Um, thanks for joining me, guys. See you soon. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thank no you. worries, John. See you later. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook, and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.